0: Welcome to the Everyday Citizens Tactical Podcast, Episode 32, Red Right Hand. My name is Jeremy, and as always, I will be your host. Today, I'm joined by Cody, the owner of Red Right Hand, whose company makes an array of AR platform uppers with a heavy focus on their auto rifle series, bringing the automatic rifleman role that much closer to the citizenry. So, without further delay, let's dive in.
1: Tell me turn it down and I'm a only turn up louder Call me what you want but you kick on me no coward. Shrink the numbers we the people still the ones with power Fighting and fire with fire time to take back what is ours Tell me turn it down and I'm a only turn up louder. Call me what you want but you kick on me no coward. Shrink the numbers we the people still the ones with
0: crave fire, fire time to take And welcome back to the podcast everyone and Cody Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. Absolutely. So some people know who you are and what Red Right Hand is. Some people have absolutely no idea. So for those that don't know what Red Right Hand is, what do they need to know?
1: Well, it's uh, it's pretty
2: common. I don't think uh, we're that big of a name just yet, so I would expect uh, not everybody to know who we are yet, but we're working on it. Uh, so Red Right Hand is my company. Uh, founded here in Napa, Idaho, and we focus primarily on uh, the civilian auto rifle platform. And uh, so we have uh, upper receivers that are basically built out to be uh, civilian support weapons. So light support, LSWs, uh, the American RPK. Um, I call them civilian auto rifles. That's just my favorite term for it. Of course, anybody can name these, whatever they kind of want. But we've built, we're, we're purpose-built, purpose-driven. To fill the role in the civilian auto right, uh, squad as a essentially an auto rifle LSW. We make products that include the Recce LMG, which is our flagship product, which has uh, under the hood, which a lot of people don't they won't notice this at first glance, but when you read into it, it's theirs. We make what's called the heat mitigation system, the HMS, and that is a series of barrel heat sinks that go and get pressed onto our H-bar barrels. And then the gas tubes are uh, wrapped in a coil that we make out of uh, nickel and copper, which acts as a heat sink on the gas system. So uh, our claim to fame is our upper receivers run cooler and run cooler longer and cool off faster. So when you put them into a high-volume application, um, you're, you're really built for that uh, purpose, so you're not going to damage the firearm. You can run anywhere from 40 to 50 degrees cooler depending on the weather conditions and really extend out that life on a weapon platform built to do that job. So that's that's what Red Right Hand is and what we focus on currently. Um, and we've been doing that for a couple of years now, and we're catching on. There's only more and
0: more of them. So, Yeah, getting ahead of ourselves, but man, that, that heat mitigation system really does kind of change the game as far as the sustainability of like an AR platform weapon goes, you know, cause obviously with like two forty nines and whatnot, uh-huh. you can do barrel swaps, but you can't do that with, you know, AR platform weapons. But, well, you know,
2: yeah. I mean, there, 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 extent, there are people there are out there that make people. quick change barrels, but they're not really quick change. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it's not like a two forty system. You know, those are giant, you know, platforms that are built to do one job too. And that job is to be aerial denial and area suppression weapons and shoot mm-hmm. belts, you know, I
0: mean, so, well, we did that review on the Recce LMG back in August, September here in Kentucky. I mean, it was, you know, real, real field was 95 to 100 degrees out, and it we had that thing out on the range for hours and hours and hours, but it just it never had any problems with it. You know, we poured a little water on that barrel, on that heat mitigation mm-hmm. system, and it just kept on kicking.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it, it, you know, the, the as you probably noticed the handguard was hot you know the barrels the barrel heat sinks were hot but oh, the internal hot. the internal temperatures of where you would have cook offs or you would be doing damage to the lands and grooves of the barrel those surfaces were cooler because they were the heat was being drawn away from that area mm-hmm. you know and that's the whole point you know when we sat down and, you know I I'll say we a lot it's me myself and i uh,
0: so I do I the
2: same did, thing. <laughs> I do the same thing. You know, I, I have other people that are, you know, helped with the project and, you know, our friends of mine, we've all been, in, I had other people involved, but it's really still just me for the most part here. But, um, uh, working on that, when I set out to build it, it was like, you know, yeah, you can just put a heavy barrel AR out there and, and shoot it. You know, there's nothing wrong with going that path, but it's like, how do you mm-hmm. make something really purpose built and build it to really, you know, how do, how do you just make it better at that job? You know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, the natural way was like, how, well, how do we make an upper receiver that can cool itself better? You yeah. know, like, you know, you can get a barrel really, really hot and it'd be okay, but you can also get a barrel so hot that you ruin the heat temperature on it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny as one of those comments, people are like, Oh, you shouldn't be pouring barrel, on, uh, water on the barrel. It's going to ruin the heat temper it's like no it's not guys the Mm. the barrel's not over 600 degrees if the barrel is at 600 degrees you'd have a problem the goal is is you don't want it to get to that temperature Mm -hmm. and also when you pour water onto our barrels you're you're hitting the heat sinks which are all aluminum anyway on top and all you're Mm -hmm. doing is rapid cooling the heat sink which is gonna then it's gonna contract even tighter against the barrel and then draw and expand as it pulls even more heat out of the barrel Mm -hmm. so it's a constant ebb and flow of the two differential materials drawing heat from it, you know, drawing the heat. You know, the aluminum will draw the heat way quicker, but it will also shed it way faster than steel. So it's uh, it's just simple thermodynamics, but it works extremely well. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to be hot at your handguard, but I'd rather that be hot than the internal of your barrel because you get your barrels hot, you're going to start having more barrel wear. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to have accuracy uh, degradation, the more you shoot a gun. The hotter it gets, the bigger the groups are. For sure. Um, so if you keep that cooler, they'll stay tighter for longer. Um, again, though, too, this is also just a system that allows you to stave off the inevitable. If you were to like manage to shoot this thing nonstop, it eventually will get to a temperature that you will start causing damage. Mm-hmm. However, it will be a lot longer than if you didn't have the system on on
0: mm-hmm. the upper receiver. So. so where does your specific passion or just interest come from when it comes to the like the auto rifle uppers oh being, well, being your main focus
1: I, I
2: i've just always been fascinated with them uh but back in when i started in the gun industry uh in 2007 i got i got hooked up and started working with frank DeSoma at pof mm-hmm. usa so i started working for pof back in the day and during that time frame that was when the m27 program was the big military contract right Mm -hmm. the marine corps wanted companies to produce an automatic infantry rifle they were bringing back the billet to form that it was back in world war ii uh in korea and got we're were getting away from the saw uh Mm -hmm. they wanted the the billet to be more to the auto rifle ideology uh and not just a a light machine gun belt fed you know Mm -hmm. so I got to be around for the tail end of the development of the version that POF had submitted. I got to help put some of those together. I got to shoot them, you know, and learn about what the the Marine Corps was looking for. And it was just a cool program. I thought it was neat, and I really liked the concept. Um, I think it was a really good step in the right direction for the Marine Corps rifle squad. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know some guys were kind of malevolent to their saws, but also working as a government contractor and seeing how messed up saws were in the hands of most guys, you know, the, the, the saw is a great weapon platform, but it was really starting in my opinion, still is showing its age
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, um, it's reliability suffering from the nature of how the government procures parts and how they yeah. rebuild things. And, um, the doctrine again, they, you know, the, a saw should be shooting 15 round bursts. It should not be shooting two, three round bursts. Like it's not, yeah. You can't, you can't do that, you know? And then of course we all know the giant issues with the magazines, um, yeah. and feeding from a saw mag, uh, on the saws. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I saw that even very young of why the, you know, the saw's cool, but it's not a great auto rifle. It was, it was really, it was really sold to the government as a light machine gun. And they're like, you can stick a mag in it though. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it, it was a very government contract style gun. So I really liked when the Marine Corps and implemented that personally, I've never been a Marine, obviously I've never served. Um, but I've worked with Marines my whole career and I love the Marines. So, and they're really good at your job and the guys that understand what the rifle uh, auto rifle billet is, um, really, or really helped me learn that passion about what that is. And, uh, I've just been fascinated with it. So, as a gun nerd, gun designer, um, and all that fun stuff, when it came down to like, what would you do for a civilian group of people, the most logical thing would be to build an auto rifle,
0: you mm. know?
2: And so that's kind of, you know, I took that passion and knowledge from that, you know, back in the day and just started applying it to that when I started Red, Red Hand. It was like, let's make something neat and unique that will fill a gap in, uh, in some demand out there.
0: Hmm. Do you think that if the 249 was revisited and kind of redesigned and parts were switched out that it could be something different? It could be better or do you think the 249 was just kind of doomed to be eh, adequate for where it is? Well, the 249
2: is still a design very much crapped in the 80s. Um, I think the, the last meaningful real upgrades basically changed it to a whole Mark, the Mark 46, where, where they basically FN took, took it to the, to the gym and, and strengthened it and lightened it in all the right places. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, at at the end of the day, though, I think they got rid of the, the magazine feed on it. I I have to double check, but I know the Mark 48 does not have a magazine feed, Mm -hmm. but you know, the, I don't know. It's just not. It's just still a big system. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I honestly think if you were to revisit doing a gun that double dual feeded, then the fight light makes a lot of sense. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, But you know, I there's there's you know if they didn't adopt the fight light, there's obviously probably reasons why they did not adopt the fight light. Sure. You know, and I don't know what those reasons are. I don't know anybody at Fight Light. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk crap about Fight Light or anything. I think mm-hmm. it's a great concept. An AR-15 pattern gun that really does run belt-fed stuff correctly would be great. Um, Ooh,
0: it is expensive though.
2: But it's very, very expensive, especially if you're a civilian. Like, mm-hmm. most guys out there are running on a budget. And yeah. I, I would say you could probably outfit two rifles with my uppers, with optics and bipods probably silencers by the time you get up to the price of one <laughs> bell fed upper receiver. Oh yeah. And you know, and you still haven't even touched getting the rest of the gun built out for one of those. It's just, and then not only mention that it's just getting extra parts, spare barrels, spare components. Cause the gun is very proprietary at that point uh, well, I- where the auto rifle really isn't. If you build it to a DI platform like we do. Mm-hmm.
0: And you can really get a lot out of, your LSW style auto uppers, if you implement it differently than what military doctrine has taught guys to implement as like a light machine gun, mm-hmm. and I think I got I talked about it in the LSW video, but like if you take your rates of fire and you tone each of the levels down just mm-hmm. a little bit, like just by yeah. a, a, like a, like two rounds, two or three rounds like, you really get a lot more longevity out of the parts in your gun than you would be if you're trying to implement it strictly like an LMG.
1: Yeah,
2: and, you know, a lot of people give me crap because of the LMG moniker on the Wrecky LMG. Uh-huh. They're like, well, it's not a light machine gun. No, it's not. <laughs> it's uh, The LMG moniker is a tribute and hats off nod to the Colt LMG uppers, the Colt LMG platform, mm. uh, which was Colt submission back in the 80s. To you know, when they competed against the saw, was to make a open bolt AR-15 with a heavy barrel, with a bipod on it, and uh, they had a big thick gas tube. Really cool design. Uh, it just didn't catch on, you know. But uh, it's a very cool gun, and its its name from Colt was the Colt LMG, and I absolutely love it. And so you know, one of the design cues that we took from that, you know, uh, was like kind of how they implemented you know a, a better gas tube and things like that and heavy barrel and i was like we're going to modernize the colt lmg and that's where the recki lmg moniker was born you know like so it's mm-hmm. it comes from that it's not a light machine gun colt never out, ever said it was actually a true light machine gun it was just a cool goddamn name <laughs> like sure. at the end of the day i can you know if you make something you can call it whatever you want <laughs> you know? so that's where the lmg moniker came from um sorry that's a tangent but you know a lot of guys go lmg well then i should shoot this like a saw no, mm-hmm. it's it's not a saw. It's not a rifle. Yes, it has LMG in its name, but it's it's just the name, right? You know why do they call it a Mazda or a Miata or whatever? You know, like it, it could be called whatever the hell they want to call it. You know, Ford F one fifty F two fifty, it's just a name, right? Um, yeah. It's what it's designed for is to be an auto rifle. It's actually not designed to be a saw. Um, you'll never really you know, you know it's a magazine fed weapon. You can't do the same things you can do with a saw. On a, uh, a regular AR 15 platform.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, I'm sure too, I, I'd really like to have someone reach out. You know, I, I don't know who to talk to right now. I don't have anybody currently active that I know um, that's willing to share the information, but I'm sure the Marine Corps has adopted um, the IAR um, firing schedules and rate of fire and all that fun stuff to the doctrine for, for training guys that are being issued the platform. I, I mean, would imagine
0: I would imagine they would have by now. I know like mm-hmm. when I was still in in the late twenty teens,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: i r wasn't necessarily being treated as you know the l s w replacement f- at the at the infantry squad level. Mm-hmm. Um, like the idea of it was kind of there, but there wasn't a lot of doctrine around it. like yeah. guys were guys were kind of being given, you know, the i r. and they're like, all right, this is our new weapon it's full auto. Have fun. Mm I think, I think now though, that's changed. I think there's more doctrine and more formalized training around the platform as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, And
2: and that usually happens with the government. They're like, here's this new toy. We finally got it. Oh wait, we didn't write anything for it. Figure it Mm -hmm. out. And then later we'll tell you you're all wrong. You need to learn it this way. And then we'll readjust that and
0: say, you're all wrong. And
2: you need to learn it this way. I mean, it's never ending government bureaucratic, you know,
0: do you ever foresee your heat mitigation system going government contract and like getting on some service weapons? I, I have no like red
2: right hand itself is not
0: seeking government contracts. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, we might OEM through somebody and if they want to buy certain products and then they happen to market it, that's on them. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not big on that. I, you know, the government selling something to the government they'll nickel and dime you it'll drive you nuts and you know it's never ending like it's just not it, it it's it it stifles innovation nine, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten right um everybody that makes a cool product that gets bought by the government gets owned by the government and they stop innovating and they become a very stagnant boring company and then they're stuck on the government dime.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: like what tri- how long did it take Trejicon to come out with anything new Why? i mean forever right. They, they, they've just been fulfilling their, their government duties, you know, and you know, surefire took forever to bring out, you know, think if surefire wasn't tied up all the time with government contracts, mm-hmm. how much neat stuff they could constantly push out. Um, yeah. red right Hand's always been a direct consumer, rapid, uh, development company. That was always my goal. Like I want to be able to keep designing and keep pushing the bounds and keep pushing out new things, um, and constantly evolving. Um, making better and cooler things, you know, if you get stuck into a government contract that, that, you know, that's not great. You know, at least in my opinion, some companies, that's all they want. Right. They get famous They're like, Oh, we got a government contract. Cool. We're just going to sit here and not do anything, collect cash. Mm-hmm. But then look at what happened to Colt. Yeah. The contracts ran out. They had nothing innovative to bring to society and they've been bought and sold like four times now.
0: Whew, it's a shame too. Yeah, it's, it's they, they, they,
2: yeah, but they 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 ran that company to the ground because mm-hmm. they they only took on government contracts. So I am I'm, I'm for the people of America and the Patriots. You know that's what I want to do. I'm here to arm P- uh, Americans and uh, do that. <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm not really here to arm governments.
0: <laughs> well, and that and that goes back to like what uh, Isaac from T-Rex Arms has said a lot is that. Right now we see the rise of the civilian defense market. We see exactly. companies coming out with products for civilians with a with a support system around them and it and it's it's spans so much between before we had, you know, a lot of firearms, a lot of play carriers, stuff like that, but now we're seeing stuff in in communications and drones and to technology. It's crazy how fast and rapid it's growing.
2: Mm-hmm. And those guys are not usually burdened by, like, companies that are doing this stuff aren't burdened by government contracts.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, they're they're in the, the true capitalistic space fighting to build something better and greater than the next guy. Or did taking a design that they already have and constantly improving it so it's always on the cutting edge. And that's see, important.
0: Did you see a High Ordinances Reaper? Mm-hmm. I, I went through the,
2: their booth and I got to play with that gun. It's fucking cool. it's very neat it's very neat there's a lot of design design draws from other weapon platforms in it Mm -hmm. but that's every gun you can possibly imagine like everything's been invented and nowadays it's just how you how you machine something you flip it upside down or you twist it you bop it all that bull, bull crap it's it's all the same um and a true 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 innovation doesn't really exist it's just good execution or poor execution yeah, um, and there's a lot of stuff about that platform is very, very well executed, and a few little nuggets of like really improve something to the point where it's borderline. I would say, you know, I'm not trying to be like negative or anything, um, say not nothing's innovative, but it's it was pretty. It had some stuff in there that you could say was almost fully innovative. Um, I mean, I'm sure one of those guys would be like, "No," nah. I'll be like, "Well, you can, you, if you draw a design cube from somewhere else, that." It's been done before. You just made it better, so you just executed it better. You don't have to say you innovated something. That guy innovated it. It was crap. You took the idea, and you actually made it better. Mm -hmm. So you took an already innovative idea that's probably 60 years old, and you truly executed it properly. Because now the technology allows you to machine it better, or you hold better tolerances, or you're able to code it in a way that they couldn't do back in the day. You know, If you took a lot of the weapons from World War II, and you applied the same ideology as some of those weapons, and you had the materials that you have today and all that other stuff, those weapons would be way better than they ever were, right?
0: Did they talk about a price range on that at their booth? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be an expensive platform.
2: Yeah, well, it's an expensive platform because it's also going to be a government contract-only platform.
0: You'll probably Uh, never
2: see one of those on the civilian market. You was... you know, I I don't I didn't hear any any rumblings of a civilian version of that. Um, cool. I mean, it'd be neat, uh, just but then just again, cause. those just cause. But those companies, guys like Ohio Ordnance, you know, they they, they are a military industrial complex driven company. Mm-hmm. They are you know they make some products, obviously the civilian market, but when it comes to their belt fed machine guns and stuff, they're they're chasing contracts, right? Yeah, they were chasing a government contract with the three thirty eight, like it's a 338 Norma, which is an amazing cartridge i've 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 known about that for a long time i've played with 338 norma i mean it's a two mile bolt gun if you put it in a bolt gun like it's it's insanity right and in a belt-fed machine gun that's crazy it's also like seven dollars every time the thing goes bang Mm -hmm. but you know great 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 design i thought it was really well executed i thought it was neat um i hope they get a lot of contracts with it i'd love to see that get out there to the the GIS, I think it's a much better platform than what Sig ever came
0: up with. So there was oh, I can't remember who it was right around Shot Show. Somebody posted us like a sneak peek picture of another five five six LSW platform, and it kind of looked like a bar. But God, um, I
2: don't... you mean like the original Colt LMG?
0: Maybe it was.
2: Um, so yeah, I did I, Harrison and Richardson, which is under PSA. They're doing their re- they do their retro lines. Mm-hmm. They they had a display up there for the original Colt LMG style upper. Nice. So and I and I, I love it. And a lot of guys were like, oh, then it's gonna be cheaper than yours. People will buy that. And I'm like, I mean, no, I'm I'm all for people having whatever they want, right? I mean, yeah. I want one. Hell, I'll buy one. Yeah. Um it's an A2 upper though, right? So it's an old carry handle. It runs the A2 sights, runs, you know, carry handle. It has a carry handle with the A2 front side post got the big square handguard you know um it's got the big 936 barrel on it with the the proper a2 front side post that actually fits that barrel profile which is extremely expensive to make um because it has been made in ages and the only people that can make it are technically in canada so i don't even know how they're going to get those parts without having to make them here somehow Mm -hmm. but being psa and Harrington and richardson i guess they're going to figure it out because you know, it's a cool upper, and I think it's great. I mean, I'd love them to bring that to market, um, but it's very 80s, right? So yeah. you're going to be limited to that technology there where we're a very modernized product. Again, we have our, you know, everything has its own, um, you know, set of abilities, right? Sure. That's just a, that's a retro upper. Can it fall into an absolute LSW platform? Sure hundred percent, you know, or you can buy my stuff and you can run suppressors very easily. You know, it cools itself better. Uh, it's got more modern attachments, et cetera, et cetera. It is just, you know, same lineage of tree, just different product. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but no, they dropped that. That was pretty neat. It was only an example. I could tell you right now when I held it, all the parts on it for the most part were off a surplus one. Uh, mm. which getting those surplus parts. I mean, that upper, I was probably holding was worth a lot of money cause they probably had to hand source those parts cause they were original cult parts, mm. you know, being PSA, they said they would have to recreate all of it. Guy, I wouldn't want to be the logistics guy on that, but I mean, if they want to do it, they're going to have to make that and they're going to yeah. want to sell a lot of them, which I'm sure they will. <laughs> they're I mean, they're
0: wild over there.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they have a, a good, a good, a good market for it. Um, but I don't, I don't know what, you know, how much they'll really truly sell on something like that. But mm-hmm. more power to them. I think it's cool.
0: <laughs> you know, it just kind of goes back to that there are businesses and parts of the industry that is just trying to get stuff to civilians. Is it oh, yeah. the best? Is it the best tool for the job? Is it you know, this that that? Maybe not. But there are people trying to get stuff into the civilian market into civilian hands. Oh, 100 percent. And you know, nice PSA is one of those companies. Uh,
2: PSA is a, a is one of those companies, right? Like we can thank PSA for putting AR-15s in the hands of more people uh, than anything besides them, and like Anderson, right? Like the cheapest AR-15s have predominantly been bought by millions and millions of Americans. So that's just awesome, right? As a small company, is you know I have a love hate relationship with PSA. I love PSA for their message and their goal, which is arm every American to the point where they can't ban anything because there's so many of them out there.
1: Mm -hmm. Love it.
2: And I love the fact that they hate communists because I hate communists, so I'm all about it. The problem I don't like about it is they can make stuff so goddamn cheap. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult to compete in a realm where they start uh, competing against you. Um, But that's capitalism, right? So I just have to be more cutting edge and build a better product, right? Yeah there will always be a market for PSA stuff, but there will always be a market for my stuff if I keep doing my job right. So it's part of the job, you know? Yeah.
0: And I think with time, everybody goes through phases where they just buy anything and everything that's cheap and firearms and gear and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's like I was telling you the other day, one of my, one of my buddies from a different state was like, Hey, you know, we've had this random heavy barreled AR upper on a bipod we've been using as our quote unquote LSW. But, we're finally gonna buy a red right hand. Like I think, it PSA and companies like that—they're the ones that get people in the door, mm-hmm. hang around a little bit, then they then people come around and they're like, oh, okay, bigger, yeah, no. better, higher quality. Yeah, it, it's definitely
2: one of those things where they they mm-hmm. they've realized if they're gonna step up their game, that's what they need, right? You know, I, I build a very serious weapon platform for that reason. You know, mm-hmm. so the guys that are. Dead, set, dead, dead serious on it. You know, I, I make something that I believe you can take into combat. So uh, we don't make anything that's considered a a range toy. So. Sure.
0: Which talking about innovation and whatnot, that brings us to your most recent, uh, you know, new line of of upper products that you've kind of been teasing about on social media, the MSW. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You want to tell everybody about
2: that? Yeah, so the Recky, we're calling it the Recky MMG just because that was the first moniker I did, but it is a true MSW. It's a medium support weapon. So, uh, we will be making, uh, taking our heat sink technology and applying it to, uh, AR-10. So, for the guys that have been hounding me for the last two years to do it in 308, I was like, literally, I drop the 556 and I get messages immediately. Do it 308, <laughs> you know. Do a barrel roll, you know. Like, yeah, just, just, just make it out of nowhere. You know, we've been. I've had, I've had the drawings forever, mm. and it wasn't until last May did I make the very first one. And the development on it's slower than the 5.56 guns, right? Uh Because 5.56 AR-15s, especially when you do a 20-inch barrel with rifle-length gas systems, it's very easy to know that that combination will last a very long time. The parts Mm -hmm. breakage will be very low, and they're overall very, very reliable because the parts are very consistent Mm because there is a mil-spec pattern to
1: Mm
2: 5.56. When you get into 7.62, 51, 308... You get into the world of AR tens where it's a free for all of oh my god everything's different, mm-hmm. um, and that's a, that was a big challenge in my opinion to overcome because where I can give you an L, you know the LSWs the you know the Recky LMGs and know that they will just run like we can put them together do our testing, do our specking and put it together and it just runs, right? Mm-hmm. There's like literally it, it's it's plug and play at that point. We know that it's going to be good. It's going to last you a very long time. You know, we've got some bolts that have pushed like 15,000 rounds and they're fine because you just don't break anything on a system like that. ar mm-hmm. AR-10s are completely different because there is no mil-spec pattern. Guys use different crazy materials. Um, there's no dimensions that happen to match. There's like six different platforms. you got DPMS, you've got uh, um, SR25 pattern, you've got Armalite pattern. They're all kind of similar, but they're all a little bit different. Um, and then you have different level of quality of components that are available on the market. Me being the size of company I am, we have our heatsink system. And we have that made here locally. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the stuff, we work with quality OEMs to source the components to build. Them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't have thousands of machines or hundreds of employees. You know, we, 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 we're, a, we're a design company and an assembly company. Um, we get stuff in, we check it for our tolerances, make sure it works, we assemble it the way we want to assemble it, we test it, we ship it. Um, so with an AR-10, there's a lot of parts proving that needs to happen that takes a whole lot more time than doing a 556
1: mm-hmm.
2: also the ammunition is expensive oh
1: it's like, very th- expensive
2: 308 is really expensive so it was really easy for us to take the first few examples of the of the recce lmg and put 7500 rounds through it in a couple days just to make sure that everything was going to wear the way we wanted it to rapidly shooting them and rapidly testing them where we could afford to do something like that doing that to a 308 is not very easy especially sure. as a small company right you know the money that develops the MMG is directly related to what money comes in from selling recce LMGs. Mm-hmm. The more we sell those, the we get a little bit off the side of actual profit, which just gets turned right into R and D money. Like mm-hmm. I, I barely take any cash from the company. I just pay my overhead and that's it. Like the company basically is what's what's paying for everything. We're not owned by anybody else. We don't have bank loans or anything. Like that's how I want to run a business too. So. Um, development on uh, 308 has been slower. So uh, we started in May. We got the first sets of heat sinks in. Uh, We got some example barrels uh, in. Uh, We started with the Arrow because the Arrow M5 is still the most common, most popular AR-10 pattern lower out there. Mm -hmm. And out of all the different parts I looked at, the most consistent components that I was getting for AR-10 parts at the time and today is still the Arrow M5. They don't have a bunch of carrier slop. Uh, they work with a lot of components. They made up really well to a lot of lowers. They're just they're just good components. So you know, we just you know, was, the Arrow M5 was the logical place to start. Just because there's so many different cut receivers out there, it's like who's gonna have the majority of what kind of parts people are gonna have? And the Arrow M5 is probably gonna be the most popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so we settled on that, and then. You know, we need a rail system that's going to be big enough to clear the heat sinks. Well, thank God, when you do a 308, which is where this is actually easier than it is on 556, most rail systems out there are big enough out the gate Mm -hmm. to clear a heat mitigation system. And our heat mitigation system is actually even bigger um, on the 308 because you got twice the powder burn in in that. Um, And the barrels are typically. Less thick walls, right? Same diameters as, like, 5.56 five, heavy barrels, but the the bore is bigger. So you actually have less material between the bore and the outside, so they heat up quicker. So you need to have a heat sink that's going to also know that it needs to absorb more heat faster for a thinner type H-bar.
0: Um, How would you so say... The, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're good. How would you say... These stand Because you probably started with standard AR-10 parts and probably had to go from there as far as fine-tuning what pieces make this, you know, full-auto 308 AR-10 platform work. You mm-hmm. know, what What did you see from the original parts of the AR-10 putting this heavier round full-auto through it in the beginning? Specifically, so, like, when it comes to, like, even, like, the buffer system and whatnot.
2: Yeah, so AR-10s. I, I have a lot of experience building AR-10s. Right, I mean, we made. I've made every. I made piston AR-10s for three oh uh, eights from POF USA. I also built 308 uh, piston guns from PWS. I've worked for two different kinds of companies making those, and I've made a lot of gas guns in it too. The thing is, is like basically, they a lot of companies just scaled everything up. And, and they really didn't get too innovative after the, the, like, two major companies made two types of weapon platforms. So you got, like, the, the the square cut you get from Armalite, and then, which also kind of gives you the stem of, like, the Knight's Arm and SR-25 platform for the military. Those receiver cuts, and then you have, like, LMT falls into that category. And then you got DPMS, which, you know, at the time, DPMS was a huge guy back when AR-10 started becoming a thing. And they made their own like swoop receiver. And a bunch of sub companies started using that kind of pattern, but they all kind of just branched out and did their own thing. Mm-hmm. AR10s, for the most part, from most company to company, are all very proprietary to that company. So not all the time can you take an upper from one company and slam it on a lower from another company or pull the bolt and stick the bolt in something else.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they're very like one-to-one. So... Knowing knowing that, and, and building that, you've got to pick a platform. The Arrow A5, A5, M5 is a, uh, is a DPMS high-cut pattern. And from there, you had to go find people that had DPMS pattern components, and then you needed to test out how well they made those components um, so that everything would blend. Because AR-10s hate to feed, they hate to eject, they hate life, and they don't like to run. So you have to find all the things that decide they all want to play well together and be reliable. It's really hard to make a reliable AR-10. Like a lot of people think, say, ah, oh, it's not that hard. It's like, well, no, you probably have one AR-10 from all one company. Now, I know there's a couple guys out there that have put together Frankenstein guns. I have Frankenstein more guns than they have probably. And it, it, it's a challenge. You just got to know what you're looking for. Um, so you know, things that I needed and I wanted to do with the MMG program is sell a complete upper with the recoil system I like with it. Mm -hmm. Um, That way it eliminates a lot of guesswork when the customer gets it. Mm -hmm. Some guys are going to be like, I don't want a bolt carrier group. I want to put my own bolt carrier group in there. I'm like,
1: no, you're going to buy it as a
2: complete (laughs) unit, right? Because this way I know that I'm selling you a product that works. If you don't if you put it on your gun and the configuration it comes in, it's going to work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's why a lot of companies sell complete AR-10s and they don't sell a lot of complete uh, just uppers, right? Um, because they know that someone's going to slam it on the wrong lower and won't fit or they'll try to feed it from this or use some other. It's, it's just it's it's a very logistical challenge from any company, especially even for a small guy like me. So like that's why the MMGs, the Recchi MMGs, when you buy them, they will be complete, and they're only sold to you complete. <laughs> um, they will fit the Arrow M5 lower or any other DPMS pattern lower out there, mm-hmm. but they will fit the
0: arrows the best. So I recommend everybody buy an Arrow M5 to get yeah, started. I remember we had a conversation about trying to go with Arrow specifically if you can. Yeah, which is what we're going to build ours out around. It's a it's a good it's a good system. Like they don't usually mess any
2: of those up. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I've gotten a lot of lowers from other companies and the consistency is just not there. Their stuff's been consistent. Like, you know, I have some, some gripes about arrow on a few things, but at the end of the day, there's one thing that you can't deny the fact that their parts are very consistent. Mm-hmm. And if we're trying to make something that we know is going to consistently work for customers, you gotta do consistent stuff. Now, that being said, we're not using their bulk carrier groups. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to use their bulk carrier groups. Um, They're not made with enough weight, in my opinion, and they don't come with some features that we wanted. I wanted dual ejector bolts right away. Mm -hmm. 308 hates to come out of the gun. It's a big, heavy piece of brass. It needs a lot of throw, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you start suppressing it. You just have to have that extra ejector force. Um, And so kk industries they they make this really awesome bolt carrier group and i've gotten a bunch of them and now we've shot a lot of full auto through them and they're just they're good (laughs) like and the the other thing is too is like you can see in some of our testing uh, i got an lmt carrier that's a full auto cut carrier um and i'm running the cac kk industries components in it which according to lmt is impossible um but it works you know, because the the LMT stuffs technically for an SR twenty five pattern gun,
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> which, which that you know if, if there's another gun guy in here they would be like, what the hell are you doing? That sounds dangerous. And that it works, it clears, it does its job. Um, we're not recommending people do that, but um, trying to prove out components. And at the time, um, I needed to get some auto sears. Uh, that would actually work with the AR-10. The reason why, and we're an SOT, right? So I can make machine guns at will. You know, we pay the taxes for all that crap with our licensing. But the reason why we have so much footage of 308 in full auto is because it's the only way I can get the round counts up really fast and really run a gun stupid hard. Sure. The average guy probably won't run it that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it can hold up to that kind of abuse, it will hold up to any abuse below that amount. Um, so at the time where I was running a welded set up uh, a welded <laughs> auto sear and uh, an LMT carrier, but we've since then been able to uh, get a, a specialty AR-10 auto sear because none of, none of that stuff matches to a normal M16, right? So mm-hmm. even even making the a machine gun is even more difficult. Um, so the KAK carriers, you know, they are cut for a full auto trip. It does in fact work. Uh, for the SOT guys out there that want to convert them. They're going to have to do a few other modifications to them to make them truly full auto if you're an SOT. But, um, the weight is important, right? It's not a skeletonized tail. It's a full M16 style tail. Um, it's great materials. The bolts are solid. Big fan. Alright? Double ejector, which is important. Um, we run rifle speed on everything. Uh, uh, we we do offer some pistons out there, but we won't offer the, th- the MMG and piston because there's just no piston kits available for AR tens. Mm-hmm. Like, and I also I don't like piston ARs, and I've built <laughs> thousands of them. <laughs> like, I own almost all DI guns. Like, I prefer the DI. Have you uh,
0: have you guys seen any like quality control issues with the higher round counts when it comes to like? different manufacturers of three Oh eight or different grain three Oh eight or anything like that. And you talking ammunition or components Am- ammunition ammunition. Uh,
2: you know, ammunition for three Oh eight is the SAMI specs, the same for seven sixty two fifty one 51 and then three Oh eight, Winchester. It's the exact same thing. Unlike five, five, six and two, two, three Remington. Those are actually two different SAMI specs, three Oh eight and seven sixty two fifty one are the exact same. Um, but loading of ammunition out there is all over the map. You guys got hunting rounds, you've got specialty, you know, match rounds, you've got ball, M-80 ball, but you got M-80 ball from like 80 billion countries because 7.62 NATO was used by everybody in NATO for the longest time. Hmm. Um, you'll see different quality in, in M-80 ball real quick. You know, you'll find ones that are longer longer bullets um, or shorter. You'll find them with different grain weight, you know, Buy quality ammo and go buy a bunch of cheap crap uh, if you can avoid it. You know, uh, I like like PPU and all that fun stuff from Serbia. You know, anything that's an M80 ball from a real good NATO NATO ally is usually pretty good.
0: Buy all black tip. Yeah, black tip. If you can find it, you should buy it. Um, I'm talking about but, Palmetto State that I'm looking at right now. Uh,
2: Palmetto State, they, I, I've been shooting a bunch of their AAC just 150 grain ball. It's their equivalent. I think true true M80 ball is like 147
0: grain, but they're making got, like 150. Um, yeah, they, they got, got one, a
2: handful of match rounds, too, on there.
0: Yeah, they got 150 grain black tip, the, the Sabre Blade, for 85 cents a round. Nice. I
2: believe that, that Sabre Tip stuff is basically their version of AMAX.
0: Mm. yeah it's not armor piercing or anything cool yeah yeah it's not as cool as black tip 30 out six yeah so we're not finding much of that yeah (laughs) funny story completely unrelated to this conversation when my dad (laughs) bought me my my first 30 out six i was like whatever like 12 or something Mm -hmm. and we had a a big baggie of black tip 30 out six that he got from the guy i think he got it from the firehouse or something He's like, here's a Bag of ammo to go with it. And neither he nor 12, 13, 14 year old I understood what black tip 30 out six was. So I bet you I spent like, you know, five years or more just sighting in my 30 out six and shooting whitetail deer with black type 30 out six before I came home from the Marine Corps one day. And I was like, when did I get all of this black dip 30 out? I mean, I probably, I, I bet you I went through well over a hundred rounds, just shooting whitetail. With black uh, I, I, let me guess. You went right through every whitetail you shot. They went through <laughs> it one side of the earth. And now the other. Oh yeah. That's, that's hilarious. Now that's I've got stuff. like eight rounds left and I just refuse to shoot them.
1: Yeah.
2: That's, it's 30 out six. That That's uh, so rare nowadays,
1: Yeah.
0: So, obviously, you guys are an SOT, and a mm-hmm. lot of guys that buy, um, you know, your full auto-uppers are, you know, stuck to binary triggers. Do you see mm-hmm. binary triggers as really that much of a downside? You know, what's kind of your thought process between the... Th- well, me.
1: Amy-
2: Civilians, unfortunately, we have a crap load of unconstitutional laws by a bunch of tyrants, right? You should, A, all be members of the FPC and the GOA and the National Association of Gun Rights. and You should always be donating and working at your local and state level to improve your laws in your state, but also helping pressure and help these lawsuits succeed here in the United States and the federal level to hopefully regain our rights back. Well, uh, some people will say that's a lost cause. No, it's not. We have now like almost 29 states or 28 states that have constitutional carry. We are winning. Don't give up. Get out there. Throw a couple mm-hmm. bucks at these guys. They're great people. Seriously, do it. Be an American and uh, yeah. do it that way. Because the pen is mightier than the sword, and you don't want to have to go to the sword. Please don't. You don't. Don't. Don't sit here and wait for the end of the world. Be positive in the meantime. Yeah. Um. But. So you all, you know, Americans are trapped under the NFA and you're not allowed to have machine guns unless you have all the crazy permits that I do and are in the business or you buy a pre 86 made machine gun because you have 40,000 plus dollars laying around um, to buy one and then wait the time and pay the $1,500 tax stamp to get it. Um, You know, those guys are out there, but for the rest of the people. Binary triggers are still legal in most states. I think like Florida, New Jersey, Florida was the one that shocked me. I don't know why Florida banned them, but Florida actually, you're not allowed to have a binary. Florida's Um,
0: gun laws aren't the greatest. It's very weird.
2: Either are Texas. I think a lot of people need to understand that you should, you, a lot of people focus on what's federally uh, illegal or legal and they forget to look at their own state Mm -hmm. um, and realize, Oh wow. My state is not as base as I thought it was, you know? Um, so that's why I say you should also get very active locally because you may have something stupid on the books that you have no idea is there. And believe it or not, it's not that hard to work with some of your local county guys and, and get it up to a level where you might be able to repeal something at a state level. Much easier to do it at a state level than at a federal level. So like I say, get involved. Um, we're huge advocates on that here. Uh, we're, we're always doing something with that. Um, but, you know, so binaries aren't legal in every state. For the most part, they're legal in most states. Um, and of course the binary trigger it's really hard for the ATF to really kind of reclassify that considering they've put out so many white letters saying it's legal um, mm-hmm. and they've approved it on so many different levels but- it, it's safe to say that binaries are not going anywhere um, and what it does allow you as a civilian is to increase your, your, uh, your rate of fire mm-hmm. um, you know it's not a machine gun but it definitely helps you uh, get uh, quicker bursts up and, and, and do more uh, auto-rifle-type activities with uh, having a binary. Now, putting in a binary in a standard AR-15 is kind of dumb, in my opinion, because they're not really meant... Most most AR-15s on the market are not meant to be shot past semi-automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at lighter profiles in the barrels. Their components are not balanced to work with that. Um, they're, just, they're just not really set up to be machine guns because... Quite frankly, why would a bunch of companies build guns out to machine gun level when they know that you're not going to have a machine gun? So they cut corners. Um, So you put binary triggers in some of these cheaper guns, and you you notice that those guys burn those guns up pretty quick because the gun's not made to handle it. Um, Our uppers are made to handle full auto and everything below it. So when you pair it with a FRT, you really kind of now are in that realm of actually having a civilian-level auto-rifle uh, and the binary is actually a pretty pretty handy tool, you know, um, because you can kind of feather it into a way where you can kind of pick your, your ROF cho- choices, right? You know how we were talking about how you were, like, modifying the firing schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, if you practice that, you can definitely find your, your rhythm with a binary, right? You can make that shoot really fast. You can make it shoot at a higher tempo, or you can run it back down to semi-automatic, or you can make it go bang, 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 bang 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 and you, you can keep that consistent you know you can you can get consistent with a binary trigger mm. um and i think it's an extremely important part of any auto rifle uh if you're building one out at home uh, is to consider doing a binary trigger because that kind of gives you that ability to really kind of flux into that role of an actual auto rifleman
0: so it takes a takes a little bit of training but at the same time it promotes you to train on yep. that platform because i mean even even i, I mean. You know, with the local boys and whatnot, I don't hop on the LSWs very often. So when I do, it it takes me a minute to find my groove again.
2: Oh yeah, um, I sound like a retard shooting one. Um, <laughs> I'm I, I sound
0: like a retard just shooting semi automatic anymore
2: because my 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 cadence terrible because I have fucking I have auto sears, you know. Yeah. But that's a training issue on my part, not <laughs> not the fact that the trigger is not good or not. You know. True. But But I mean, I've seen some really good content out there from other guys that have done. LSW stuff kind of like uh, SNS Solutions uh, Doc Larson uh, Klein Machine and those guys Mm -hmm. working with uh, uh, One Shepherd Institute you know and how effective they can make a binary trigger in the field with a guy who's been putting some time behind an LSW it's very you know you won't notice the difference and quite honestly I think binary is probably a better option for an auto rifle than just full auto Um, because it causes you to be a more conscious trigger puller, right? Sure. You know, and you're a civilian, so we have to always be thinking, um, thinkers before shooters, Mm -hmm. and um, you need to be conscious of that stuff, you know, versus just holding down a trigger, right? So I think it it, it enacts good discipline and good fire superiority capabilities for a civilian.
0: Yeah, Um, the the fire superiority side is huge, even just with 5.56, just putting more rounds down range, really helps establish yeah. that.
2: And where the auto rifle is really good is, is it's got the weight in the system to hold it down, and you can have a tighter cone of fire than if you had um, a belt fed, for example. Like, belt feds are kind of, their bigger area. Auto rifles were always meant to be very precision um, in, in, in the realm of machine guns, right? A tighter cone of fire, a more uh, deliberate burst. Kind of weapon right sure. you're, you''re you know yes you can do uh, grazing fire and all that other fun stuff with an LSW um, but like implementing that to be a very targeted weapon system right' you're, you're targeting actual belt feds you're targeting war systems you're targeting gr- you know groups of people in the open. You know, I'm not a doctrine guy. I've never explored this. I'm just regurgitating information that I've read. <laughs> and other guys out there that are way more qualified than me that are actually trying to build we're, we're talking to about explaining auto-rifle doctrine and how it's used uh, with guys that have actually used it or know more about it than me. I'm just a weapon nerd. I just built a gun for a purpose.
0: Well, what's going to so, be nice about the MSW um, even more so for the LSW is the ability to not just do auto rifleman stuff but also take you know those more precise single shot uh engagements you know with a 308 with 556 even with a 145 inch barrel you could still take accurate 500 yard shots but past mm-hmm. 600 yards your 556 is questionable Can't... and you know potentially really unreliable unless you're unless you're shooting with very high quality 556 600 yards is about the max, uh, you know, effective target uh, range of five, five, six, but with three hundred eight, yeah. even if you want to go more, thoughts of, hey, you know, you're a he- you're a, a heavier support weapon, but you're also the designated marksman role in that sense. Mm-hmm. Take this six hundred yard shot; it's going to be a lot easier to do that.
2: Yeah, you're going you're gonna to deliver more pain down range too. It's just a heavier bullet with a bigger BC on it. Yeah. So, you know, three hundred eight has a lot of advantage, and that's why. You know, we're using one in 10 twists cold hammer forge nitride barrels. Um, one day we'll see about getting chrome line versions in. Um, but right now I can get you the nitride, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to do wonders for accuracy. And you're going to be able to do that. You know, I, I want people to understand that the Recky MMG, yes, it's built to be an auto rifle, it is not a 240 Bravo. <laughs> like, it's just, please, you know, I got some guys who are like, I'm going to put in a 100 round snail drum and just, you know, deny area with it. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you can do it, I guess, but it's not really how I would describe the weapon. I want mm-hmm. people to understand it yeah. is literally a modern equivalent of the Browning auto rifle from World War II,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? You have a large caliber and you have per- accuracy and mobility, you know, don't tie yourself down by trying to carry too many drums, right? Yeah. That that weapon system needs to move around. Um, the greatest example of how a Browning auto rifle should be and in, in, you know used. Turn on Saving Private Ryan. You know, Night Fighter did this the other day, which was great. I was really glad he showed this and he explained it. You know, they they find out they're getting pinned down. The auto rifle then is a mobile asset, and he deploys himself because he can operate independently to gain advantage on something that's a crew serve that may be decimating you and destroy that target right you're you're you know whether that is with bursts of fire or with precision heavy caliber rounds right uh-huh. you know it's gonna it's gonna destroy technicals it's gonna destroy you know a lot of cover that you know is really now just concealment because you're shooting a bigger caliber at it you know it it has some more antimaterial properties than a 556 would so, I mean, it's really a mobile platform of a modern-day BAR. I want people to understand that's what it's for. It is covered in heat sinks, so it remains accurate longer, and it doesn't wear the parts out as fast because it's meant for a higher rate of fire. However, you can shoot it more precision if needed. Uh, one thing to note, I also want people to know, um, and this is from more people shooting stuff, is, you, is if you if you're trying to take precision shots after shooting big strings of fire, with the LSW, you know, the Wrecky LMGs or the new MMG, the heat sink system is pulling so much heat out of the system, you're going to have a lot more Mirage than you're going to be used to. Yeah. Uh, And Mirage will make it difficult for you to see targets at distance. Just keep that in mind. Again, it's because the weapon platform is really built to handle the higher rates of fire than be a DMR. Mm -hmm. It, It can dual roll, sure, but understand it will be shedding heat you may notice that in your scope so don't you know keep that in mind um, the more you kind of implement it you know every there's no there's no free lunch in physics you know we can only do so much about certain things it's like we want to mitigate the heat well we're going to have a mirage <laughs> you know and really, uh, it's basically like having a suppressor the, the entire length of the barrel
0: so and really we as you know the civilians that are going to be implementing these types of weapon systems you know regardless of whatever title we put on it we're going to have to realize that we're going to have to implement the MSW differently than we do the LSWs. You know, it's easy to carry, you know, 350, 400, maybe 450, 500 rounds of 556 if you're a strapping young lad mm-hmm. for, to feed your LSW with another two or 300 in reserve with your assistant rifleman, uh, with your assistant, yeah. Uh, but the MSWs, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to carry 400 rounds of three oh eight on your on your on your plate carrier or on your chest rig with somebody that's also tailing you with the equivalent amount of rounds, you're gonna have to really implement this weapon system with target precedence in mind a whole lot more than you are with your LSW. You can't 100%. just you can't just lay down and just you know start just constantly dropping rapid or cyclic rates of fire with this. It's it's a completely different weapon system with a completely different intended purpose. Now should you have SOPs and a mindset of when to implement it, you know, full auto or binary? Sure. But mm-hmm. just doing it just to establish random fire superiority. That is not this one's job. That's the job of the LSW. Yeah. And I think. The re-
2: yeah. The recce LMG and all those guns and five, mm-hmm. five, six are going to do a much better job at fire superiority jobs than, than the MMG. M- 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 you know, the MSW is going to, like I said, you're right. It's a flex role with a more specific purpose, period.
0: And I think that, you know, in the ideal rifle squad, you have an assault element, your first fire team, with an LSW, lightweight, mobile. You know, your assault element's normally move in a little bit more. You've got a support element with the MSW, higher round, higher punch, but they're more stationary, you know, at a more fixed position. And then your security role, you know, doing area denial to forces that might be moving into the area or securing roadways and whatnot. They also have the LSW to put out those higher rates of fire. And each fire team has one of those weapon capabilities. Oh,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of that ideology. Um, you know, that's where I'll talk, where I'll talk more too, with it off, off, offline. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I also think. Um, which is kind of, you know, we, we make multiple versions of our LSWs, which, you know, we do the Recky LMG and we do the Recky IARs. The IARs are 16 inch versions. They have a slightly lighter, uh, profile barrel. They're mm-hmm. the SOCOM style H-Bars. So they're equivalent to the M4, uh, A1s and they're covered in heat sinks. Um, they're lighter and they're more mobile. Um, if, you know, I still think you should have a 20 inch gun for your main LSW just because you want the velocity and you agree. want the weight. The weight is important because it helps you keep your cone of fire down, but it's not saying that you can't have your team leader or somebody who may be in a leadership position that either is either fixed or having to move around to have an IAR as well. You can prop up different positions as needed, or if your command post is under under deal, you basically have an in the clinch rifle that's also now capable of doing LSW things. But it's in a smaller package, you know. It's not as good as the LMG as far as like a fixed position or in the bipod, but it's very very mobile. You don't even really notice the fact that you
0: have an M4A1 that's now heat synced you know. Well, and, I, and I had this conversation with somebody else in a different manner because earlier you said I don't think every rifle should have a binary. I, I'll mm-hmm. disagree. I'll disagree with you on that point for that same reason. Is if in a clinch, somebody can become an LSW gunner very quickly. Now you're obviously going to mm-hmm. destroy your rifle a whole lot faster, and just because you have a binary doesn't mean that you should use it. But mm-hmm. in in the grand theory of civilian rifle squads, the, the the you know the rifleman role, is it a bad idea for everybody to have a binary?
2: I mean, it just depends on your SOPs and your level of training. Not sure. everybody is going to have the money to also train to be really good with their binary. Um, true. And, and also, two, you're a civilian squad. You're not going to necessarily have the same type of resupplies you would if you were a military unit, right? No, you're no, not going to no, be able no. to chopper and ammo. You basically run what you brung. Well,
0: at least not. And
2: yet. yeah, at least not. Yeah, right. But <laughs> the but the cap- the capabilities of you are basically what you carry on your back. You know. Mm-hmm. um, But if you also gotta remember too, you got eight guys with semi-automatics and they're all pounding rounds out at a pretty constant cadence. It's a lot of firepower. Mm. And you got one or two LSWs with binaries. You really you've got an assload of firepower. Um, I don't know. I think it comes down to the groups. You know, I'm not like like I said. I'm not you know actively out there running through the woods every weekend and all that other stuff. But um, you know, I think. I think there's there's a role for everything. I think if you're gonna have a uh, a binary in a gun, you need to make sure that you know the limitations of said firearm before you go ham with it, right? You know, sure. it's that's just just that's just my two cents on it. Um, sure, most guns can handle it, I guess, but just understand that some will handle it more than others um, when you get guns hot. Heat is the enemy of all weapons. Then after that is rust and liberals. So. That's uh, something to keep in mind, you know?
0: For sure. Well, Cody, was there anything else you wanted to talk about?
2: I don't know if we actually finished anything on the MMG, M- did we? Kind of got on some tangents there. Yeah,
0: we did get on tangents. Is there, is there like a, an expected time frame you can share? We're, we're going to launch pre-orders for everything March 1st
2: for the nice. M- M- Wrecky MMG.
0: Um, Very nice. We're trying
2: right now to nail down a few extra, uh, options. We're going to try to make an a la carte, right? Mm -hmm. Um, my favorite version, which I recommend everybody buy is obvious is the version where you get the hydro buffer and the spring, Mm um, because the way that just, it just feeds really good. Um, we know that not everybody wants to buy a $130 buffer. So, um, there is a normal heavy buffer option there with the spring. Um, so you'll be able to build it out in a couple configurations where you can keep it, you know, around the $2,000 mark or you can go up higher. Um, AR-10s are just expensive. I want people to keep that in mind. You know, yeah. we, we went with the more expensive coal hammer forged barrel on these just because was we were able to get them for our OEM. And, you know, things like that just cost more money. AR-10s just in general cost a lot of money. Um, it's a very niche weapon platform. But it it is there to fill that purpose. We'll sell them as complete units. Uh, so far, we know for sure we'll have the arrow rails first, um, but we're also looking at trying to get these quad rails in. Um, I'm just trying to find out what dates they may be allowed. You know, I might be able to get them. So if you end up ordering a quad rail, if I have it available, those might have a longer lead time than the ones with the arrows. You know, so we don't build and stockpile a ton of product, right? We sure. we stockpile the core components. And then, as orders come in, we kind of like tailor build them, right? Because, you know, it's really expensive to have 80 options worth of parts in hundreds of quantities just piled up. Uh, so, you know, we're still, like I said, one man operation, guys. So, like, we can only have so much stuff on hand. So, that's why we're still kind of a build the suit company. You're basically all a carding this gun. We'll make it for you. We'll get it out to you in a reasonable time frame. Um, and we stand by the product. You know, if you have any issues with it, call us up. We'll take care of you. Um, I think it's going to be a very uh, good option for those guys out there. They've been wanting it, and I hope a bunch of people want to buy them. <laughs> Cause yeah, it's been a lot of work to get
1: to this point. We've
2: uh, I've actually brought up the release by six months because we just I've just decided I had to put more time into doing it. You know, sure. I wanted to originally drop these back in, release these like July fourth, um, but. I don't think Americans can wait any longer. I think the state of the nation. We need to get these things out to, to the people sooner rather than later. So,
0: I would agree because uh-huh. I mean, I mean, it's it's crazy what the price that goes you know into building a system like this is awesome as it is. As much as I want to see guys just buy the shit out of this,
1: mm-hmm. is that
0: yeah, buy the upper, the lowers for AR tents can be fairly expensive, especially if you're getting custom parts to really make sure this thing performs. You got mm-hmm. your binary. You got ammo. Oh my goodness, ammo! You've got mm-hmm. bipods. You've got lights. You've got lasers. You know, for in my mindset, you know, for like the one we're building out, this thing's getting a laser. There's no if, answer, buts about it. This thing's getting a laser. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot that goes into it.
2: Oh yeah, it's still it's a weapon platform. It's not a rifle. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is a system that you're buying. You're not you're not just building another AR-15. You are building a specific weapon platform for a specific duty. Right, you know, I want people to be financially responsible too. Don't just buy it because you think it's cool. Like, buy it for a purpose. I like tell the people that's why we don't offer Cardova or anything ridiculous. Like, yeah. no, no, no. I want people to be financially responsible and be buying these things for a purpose. That's what they're built. They're purpose driven, purpose built. Mm-hmm. So, you are you know, the people that are buying this should be dedicating that to an actual uh, role. You know, in, in this case, the Recce MMG will be the. An MSW, a medium support weapon, which I believe I'm the only guy making that, you know, uh, because the customer base wanted it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always listening and I'm always trying to come up with things that you guys want. You know, if we can make a very good product and, and bring it to market, we'll do it, you know.
0: And train, guys. Train, train. Not just take this thing into the range and shoot it, but also you got to hike with this thing, patrol with this thing. You got to really put in the work behind it
2: yeah you're gonna wanna you wanna be a mountain goat with this thing and get it around because it's it, it is not a light pl- platform it's still lighter than carrying a an a m60 or a 240 that's all that's obvious but it's not one of those platforms so it's just a very heavy AR10 i mean i think if you if you can figure it out like a, a base rifle with no optics and stuff you run like a PSR stock a PSR light on it from Magpul, I think we were around like 10 pounds. Then you got to add your optics, and remember, every D50 you slam in this thing weighs four and a half pounds loaded. So yeah. keep that in the backpack, maybe, and, and rock some twenty stick, twenty round sticks, or twenty five round sticks. Um, and I'm just remember, it's a, it's a, it's a BAR. It's not a, not a 240, not an LSW. It's an MSW. So run it like a, a a modern day BAR.
0: I'm just upset they don't make drums bigger than the 50.
2: Uh, there's a couple of people that make hundred round drums, but from companies that make magazines that aren't very reliable, in my opinion.
0: Mm. I think the D50s just like will be the king for this, just like the D60s are for the LSW.
2: I think I think honestly the D60 has a huge run in the in the category of the Quattro Quattro setup. Mm. I really do. That's I don't know if I, you want to talk about that or whatever if you got time, but the, okay, the, go
1: ahead. dive in the <laughs> the.
2: The V60s are great. The V50s are great for 308. But in the world of 5.56, I think the biggest game changer that's coming along um, is is the Quattro 15 setup with the Quattro 53 mags from Desert Tech. Mm-hmm. And hands down. Um, the firepower capability, the packability, and the price point to go over to a Quattro lower and run those over a D60 is just financially a better decision. Mm -hmm. And you have a killer product. Um, The D60s are great. They're reliable, but they're a bitch to load. You're not going to load. You've loaded those. Mm. They're not, they're not easy. You know, you, you imagine trying to load one of those under fire. Oh yeah. that That ain't fucking happening. Right. That thing is once it's expended, it's out. There ain't, there ain't, in my opinion, unless there's an absolute six hour lull in a fight, you're not loading a D 60.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, I'm also don't want to sit here and say you're in a gun battle for whatever. I'm saying you're sustaining in a fight for maybe six or seven days on an operation or whatever you're doing. Right. Um, I'm not saying a firefight where you're shooting 12,000 rounds in one go, but, uh, just loading that under pressure or after a big event is going to be more difficult. The the Quattro magazines they load like any other AR-15 magazine. They they do not take any more pressure by the time you get to round fifty-three than round one. You know they load like an AR-15 magazine. They're just wider. You know they fit in a double mag pouch. They stack really efficiently, and and, you know three of them you could stack up, and they're thinner than a a D60, and they take up less space. You know they're flatter, so you you just you can carry more of them, fifty-three rounds per magazine. You know, all you need is four magazines to have a two ten loadout. That's pretty nice. They're only forty-five
0: bucks too. They're
2: forty-five dollars. You that's can life. buy three three of those magazines for the price of one D sixty. Okay. okay, so I'll, if you, if, I'll buy them. All right, you got me. <laughs> well, this is the thing you got to have. The, you got to have their lower. And a lot oh. of people go. People go. Oh God, the lowers different. Yes, the has got a magwell that's like the girl who's ready to settle down after college. It's just fucking massive, right? It's got this big fucking fat <laughs> magwell in it. And it's a lot of people go, oh man, I have to have a proprietary lower now to run these proprietary magazines. Yes and no, because quattro, the Quattro uh, 15 lower receiver, Desert Tech has an adapter that clicks right in there. You slip it up inside, push it to the sides, and it locks in, and you can run normal
0: magazines, including your D60s. So, so but, but it, would you need it, to pull that? Would you need to put that that adapter in every time to run standard mags? Yes, you would. See, that would be and the so, downside. So, and so, the, a lot
2: of people think that's the downside, but this is the thing. Okay, here's the thing: you can buy a lot of fifty-three round magazines for the price of only six drums. Mm-hmm. Okay, or if you bought five drums, you, you can easily have a loadout round count. I think, uh, I have seven, so like seven is pretty easy to put on your body mm-hmm. and that's 371 round loadout. You can put 10 on your body and you're almost pushing 500 rounds. And I think you'd be only around like 10 magazines or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like that's, that's a lot of ammunition. the, pro- um, the and, the, and don't. if you expended all that in a fight, then all you got to do is click in your thing. I mean, you you could you do it under stress? Sure. I don't think yeah. you would realistically be finding yourself in a situation where you'd have to if you had
1: enough magazines.
0: The only um, problem I would say you'd run into is the logistics behind it. One, mm-hmm. it, acquiring more mags after shit goes horribly south, because mm-hmm. you're not gonna. Re- for everybody that thinks you're just always going to retain your mags, that's not mm-hmm. tr- that's fairly no, That's fun- not true. The truth.
2: That's why I say buy bunches. But yeah, what? you're right. You could run out, but then all you gotta do is just rock the wonderful adapter and you can run all your standard magazines the rest of the time if you needed to until you got, got back into more mm-hmm. but also this is the other thing I want people to understand there's no rule saying at one point or the other you can't just pick up a lower and slap it on your your upper and, sure. and run a standard one you know this, the other thing about the desert tech lower that a lot of people don't know is it is bigger to accept that magazine but it weighs the same amount as a normal force lower
1: hmm.
2: so you're you're not gaining any weight it's fully ambidextrous. You have a magazine release on both sides. You have a bolt release on both sides, as well as a bolt catch. So you could actually lift, lift the PDQ lever and lock the bolt to the rear with your trigger finger, through your right hander, um, and release it as well. So you're getting quite a lot of, uh, nice features that you would get in a, in a, in a fully ambidextrous high-end lower. Mm-hmm. And you also have a lower now that can accept every magazine ever made. You know, it's not only is it accepting the the Quattro's, but it accepts all the stick mags that you can find. The D60s, you you can't run a, you can't actually I should say you can't really run the snail drums on them. But I don't recommend running snail drums for anything. I don't think they're very reliable. Um, I, I don't know what your experience is with those, but I'm not a big fan of those. Um, C C C mags or Beta C's or yeah. whatever. You um, can
0: get so you can get the Quattro lower and a magazine as a package deal for 249. That's not that bad. Mm-hmm.
2: No, it's not bad at all. If you're if you are starting a build from the ground up, I think it's a, actually it's worth looking into. You know, if you guys are already got binary triggers in a normal lower and you don't really want to try anything new, you don't don't buy it. I'm not saying you have to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying that the fire capabilities out of those 53 round magazines is amazing, and the best part is too. When you put them in the gun, they're no longer than the 30 round PMAG. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can get really low to the ground. A lot of guys tell me that they like the P round, uh, the forty round P mags. I fucking hate them. They're too long. Yeah, too long. I, I, I can't get into the ground. I'm not a big guy. I don't, you know, the auto rifleman is going to be the first person they're going to try to kill. Like you come on contact, you're going to find the weapon system that's putting the most hate on you, and you're going to try to suppress that guy. Mm-hmm. If your head's sticking up too high, you're going to get canoed. Like it's just. I mean, that's just science. You're going to shoot at the guy that's shooting you fastest. So, if you can keep lower and have more rounds on tap, and the magazine change is, is literally like you just grab the magazine just like you would a normal AR mag, right? You're not having to pick a drum and hold it in a weird way to insert it and roll your hand. You're literally grabbing it like a beer can, slamming it in your gun, where your thumbs right where it's at, dropping the rounds and going. It, it There's no extra fumbling. It's just a fat ar magazine and it holds 53 rounds Mm
1: -hmm.
2: like it's and they're reliable as shit because there's only one big spring in it you know you get like the 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 surefire magazines and and stuff where they have like that coffin style right where they they go from a quad feed to a, a double feed like a standard ar mag they have multiple spring sets and they always jam they just do they just, they don't run very well. This one's so simple and fat it is the design was they made the quad stack feed with one magazine and then they built the lower around the magazine, mm-hmm. which is smart, right? Instead of trying to do the constraints of the mag well, they just made the magazine work and then make it work a hundred percent of the time and then made a lower that just fit it. You know, I've already got a handful of those magazines now. I think we got, I got, I'm going to have a total of 18 of them here shortly. Nice. Um, wow! Yeah, that's a, almost a full case of ammo. It's like 950 rounds in 18 magazines. That is like, nice. that's a lot of fucking ammo to to truck around. And if you shot that much ammunition up in a fight, I mean, hopefully you're picking up other cool things off the ground and more <laughs> ammunition off the ground. <laughs> Otherwise, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, um, I I I think logistically you can if you, if you're getting started, it's a good place to look.
1: Yes, um, inconsiderate. Cons-
2: mm-hmm. um, if you ever make it out here to Idaho you're definitely, I mean, or I make it out to Kentucky there, we'll definitely, uh,
0: one day have, I need to make a shooting. trip out
2: West. Yeah. You gotta come out here, man. That's great. Mm. But, uh, we'll we'll have to show you that. Cause that, I, I think is a real, I don't know. I think it has a lot of potential for a purpose built LSW, especially yeah. because it has the adapter. The adapter is $17. You can yeah, buy a couple bad. extra of them, you know. You can have a couple extra in case you lose any parts. Like sure. they weigh nothing, yeah. you know.
0: Really, I mean, when um, you think about it, it wouldn't be that expensive to build out a standard lower and put it to the side.
2: No, not at all. I mean, realistically, you think about this: this is an investment weapon platform. Yeah, you know, you you, you, can, you should consider it has a higher budgetary allowance than an individual GPR. Right, right, your general purpose gun. It is built for a purpose. There's nothing saying... There's no rule books on this stuff, you know? That's why we sell them with rifle speeds. They're they're endlessly adjustable. It's mm-hmm. the recce, right? Recce, recce concept. It can adapt to any mission. Your mission set could be completely different. Your environment can be completely different. The gun adjusts to it, mm-hmm. you know? So you have one of our upper receivers. It is completely configurable to whatever you need it to be, you know? And so... Having that flexibility, which we can do as civilians that you cannot do as a military. When the military gets a weapon system, they want it built to the lowest common denominator. So they can't fuck it up. You know, we're civilians. You can train yourself to be better and know more about your weapon platform than you would learn if you were in the military. Cause the military doesn't want to teach people how to do that, but you're a civilian. You have this, the world's your oyster. It's what you put into it. It's what you get out of it, you know? So there's like, there's no rule book for this stuff. <laughs> you know, that's why I keep telling people, like you can make this anything you want. You can have multiple lowers for it. Yeah. You should have multiple versions of this if you need to, you know, you know all of your configurations.
0: Well, and that's, um, it's like the same thing I've talked about with comms and just everything is that we've got to be innovative as civilians.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, you can, um, one thing I like about, uh, real quick tangent, like suppressors with gate uh, from Griffin Armament that they have lock. Right, mm. like the M4SD suppressors, they're great. They click onto any bird uh, cage flash hider. Right, there's nothing saying that in a fight you can't have one guy run in the can or you can click it off, and stick it on somebody else's gun. If you have rifle speed, you just dial in for your suppressor setting. You know, but you don't Hold need on. to carry that.
0: Sorry about that. You good there, bud? Yeah, my security system decided it wanted to go off. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So. I was like, "Oh wow, well, it just chambered around." I wonder what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> that's why when I'm home, the keys to my safe stay in my safe. Yeah. That way, I can rapidly close with and destroy whoever decides to give up their life entering my house.
2: <laughs> well, well. Welcome to the castle, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I just have my pistol always here, so when I got a rifle, never that far, you know.
0: I can't wait to. Yeah, I mean, I had my pistol, but I was like, <clears throat> I looked right across the room, and I was like, "Well, my keys are there." So, yeah, let's get the rifle, rifle time. Yeah, rifle no, time. I'd rather, <laughs> I, I'm gonna fight with a rifle
2: if I have the. It was like, choose your weapon to go into a gunfight. Yeah, rifle. Like, that's mm-hmm. just, why would I take anything else than that? You know, like. Absolutely take a rifle to a fight, you know, like, kind of love, uh, i Clint Smith.
0: Rifles put holes through people. <laughs> Shotguns at the right distance what with the it? right load. Take a chunk of shit out of somebody's body and throws we'll that throw
2: shit, that on, the shit floor. on the floor. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> though i hate though i though i'm not a shotgun guy you won't know i I rather i hate shotguns (laughs) i will i'll fucking straight up go to the trap range and shoot 556 at fucking clay if i could i would uh i don't like shotguns but yeah no always grab the rifle if you got the opportunity Hmm. no
0: well i think i think we've about covered it i appreciate you coming on i'm excited for the msw man i really am Yeah,
2: the MSW is gonna be great. I think it's gonna add a lot of capabilities for the guys out there that are wanting it. Um, Of course, you know, long as its initial success is there and the the continued uh, support for it from the community, we'll we'll keep making stuff like that. We'll keep making advancements to it. You know, the like the IARs don't sell as much as I sell uh, LMGs, for example. Sure. Um, So the advancement there is just kind of like we offer a few different configurations, but we're not really investing there unless people want to buy more of them, right? Um, The LSW, uh, the LMGs, and all that stuff, the Recce LMGs. We're going to see a couple more upgrades to that this year because it it has been our bread and butter, and it's it's a great platform. We sell a lot of it. So um, we're going to try to eliminate some... uh, you know, outside factors that kind of limit production by bringing more of our own components online as money allows, you know, hopefully this year we'll also get around to a, a rail system. That's not the, uh, Midwest industries, but more of a domestically produced one here in Idaho with my own, Mm -hmm. my own design. Um, that cause that can kind of help us not have, like right now we're in February, right now, we're just waiting on Midwest Industry Rails to come. Sure. You know, everybody that's been uh, waiting has been notified, and 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 you know, of course, I have really great supporters, and I have great customers, and they understand. I'm very, very open and transparent about where we're at in the status of completing orders. Um, you know, when we say it's a, a a four to six week lead time, we we really honestly try to get it in there before that time frame, But if it's ever going to be any longer than that, I like personally email people and them know what's going on. Like, I just believe in that level of customer service. And, uh, most people like that, you know, we're still a small company. I wish I could have thousands of parts on hand, but sometimes I just can't do that. So, uh, the rail system I think is going to be our, our next big thing this year outside of the MSW program. Um, because, you know, we're just trying to alleviate supply chain issues mm. of just, you know, if Midwest is between runs, sometimes I can't get them for a couple months and that just really sucks, you know? Like, if I had my own, I would know when more needed to be made, you know? So, but the 308 is coming and I appreciate you guys looking at that. We're going to get you guys your sample out there to help promote it, obviously, but we want to get your feedback on it and your, see your doctrine and, uh, you know, help people understand the concept a little bit better. You know, sure. I, I don't, I don't consider myself an expert in the field um, of like actually employing certain things so I don't sit here and try to talk doctrine of like how I you know I have an idea of how it should be used but I'm not an expert by any means so I usually turn to guys who have employed these type of weapons before or have been in the military where they've worked in that type of stuff because they can explain it better and have actual you know weight behind their statements versus me a gun nerd who just regurgitates information that I've been told you know so um, I, I think it's going to be a good year. So, well,
0: we definitely appreciate you. You, know, you and I have, have, of course, developed a friendship, but I love what Red Right Hands doing, and I'm excited to see what the year brings. You guys.
2: Oh well, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun year, man. It's going to be a fun year. Lots to come.
0: So. Well, Cody, my friend, thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys. You take it easy. That's all I've got for episode 32. Red Right Hands, as always, guys, train hard, train often.
1: Tell me turn it down and I'ma only turn up louder. Call me what you wanna, but you can't call me no coward. Strength in numbers, we the people, still the ones with power. Fighting fire with fire, time to take back what is ours. Tell me turn it down and